When I hit a thousand followers for the podcast, I'm going to do an entire episode in German. And you can help me get there by subscribing and sharing the podcast on all your social media and with all your friends. Jeder einzelne von ihnen. Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. This is Bad Jesus Apologetics, Part 1. He existed? Every so often, Christians on Twitter will present a particular list of basic facts supposedly about Jesus that then have the names of ancient Roman historians or authors used as primary sources to back up those facts. So the list is called Facts About Jesus from Early Non-Christian Sources. Now, I will leave a link in the podcast notes for this episode, so you can check it out for yourself. And there are about 15 or 20 basic facts that are listed. For example, he existed, and Josephus and Tacitus and Pliny the Younger and more are cited. Or we have, were supposedly born of a virgin, and Celsus is cited for that one. Had a brother named James, and Josephus was cited for that one. Practiced sorcery, which comes from the Talmud. Had knowledge of future events, and Phlegon is cited for that one. Claimed to be God, and again that's from Celsus. So there are about 15 or 20 facts that are listed with Figures from Roman antiquity cited as primary sources for the facts. And this list is presented as like an open and shut case that not only did Jesus exist, but the life he led matches up with the Gospels. And if we have 20 facts that we can glean about his life from non-Christian sources, that just reinforces the fact that Jesus existed and he was the son of God. You'd have to be mad to deny it, right? By criticising these talking points, I'm not trying to say that Jesus didn't exist. That is a discussion for another time. But what I am trying to say is that these particular talking points presented by Christians as if they are solid evidence that the God-man Jesus of the Gospels existed, is not the solid case that Christians think it is. Now, I used to believe in this particular list, 
And I may have uh, presented it once or twice in my in my time as a Christian. But then once I studied the historicity question from a critical perspective rather than from a triumphalist perspective, I realized that the claims don't quite stack up. Now, there could well have been a Jesus that existed. But if Jesus did exist, he definitely wasn't the son of God. And he definitely wasn't a superhero or a miracle man. The biggest basic fact on this list that I wanted to tackle was that he existed. And as I mentioned before, there are about half a dozen sources cited to back that up. As I said, Josephus, Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, the Talmud, Lucian of Samosata, Marabas Arapian, Suetonius, Thallus, Phlegon, Celsus. Now, I'm not going to go through all of those sources, and there's a particular reason for that, which I'll get into later on. But the first one I'm going to start off with is Josephus. Josephus is one of the most oft-quoted historians, well, for good reason, because he is seen as the gold standard of of history recording back in Roman antiquity. But the question is, what did Josephus actually say about Jesus? And the answer to that is, not much that can actually be considered authentic. The most famous passage quoted from Josephus to back up the claims that Jesus existed and that his life matched the Gospels, is the Testimonium Flavianum in Antiquities of the Jews 18.3.3. Now, let me read out the Testimonium Flavianum. You probably have heard this, but it bears reading again anyway. About this time, there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people that accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. And when, upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, Those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them spending a third day restored to life. For the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. And that is based on the translation of Louis H. Feldman. So, if Josephus did write that, well, hold on, that's an open and shut case. The gold standard in Roman history recording declared that Jesus was the Messiah, and he did thousands upon thousands of wonderful things, but not so fast. Most scholars consider the Testimonium Flavianum to be a Eusebian forgery, i.e., It was forged by 
Bishop Eusebius of Caesarea in the 300s. So the only real question that is considered is if it is all a Eusebian forgery, or was there an authentic kernel upon which the forgery was built around? Now, to me, this passage is clearly a forgery and for this one reason. The placing of the Testimonium Flavianum comes between two paragraphs about calamities that befell the Jews. The paragraph before the Testimonium is about the Jews' uprising after Pilate had used temple money to divert a river near Jerusalem. And then, the very next paragraph after the Testimonium reads, At about the same time, another sad calamity put the Jews into this order. Hold on, what do you mean, another sad calamity? We just had an advertisement for Jesus. Whereas, if you read Antiquities 18.3.3, take out the Testimonium and read the paragraph before and after the Testimonium in one continuous passage, it flows a lot better than if the Testimonium comes in between. And to me, that indicates it wasn't originally there, i.e. a forgery. Now, the next disputed passage comes from Antiquities, Book 20, Chapter 9. And the passage reads as such. So he assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ, whose name was James. And when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. But as for those who seemed the most equitable of the citizens, and such as were the most uneasy at the breach of the laws, they disliked what was done. This passage is regarding the high priest Ananias, who, before his authority could be checked by Albinus, who was actually on his way over to Jerusalem to convene with Ananias. Ananias had called a Sanhedrin, got James and a number of other lawbreakers before them, and had them stoned post-haste. And so numerous people were upset at what had happened. They eventually complained to Albinus, who then put... Jesus, son of Damnius, as the high priest in place of Ananias. But in this passage, the words under dispute are who was called Christ. If this is an authentic writing, it's one of the most convincing mentions of Jesus Christ by a reputable historian inside the first century. But is the passage authentic? I don't think so, and I don't think you should either, for a couple of reasons. 1. If James, the brother of Christ, was spreading the gospel of Christ as a revision of Jewish theology, why would the rest of the Jews care that a person who is trying to publicly undermine their long-held theology be executed? 
Saul approved the execution of Stephen in Acts for this very thing, publicly falling afoul of the Sanhedrin. And now the Sanhedrin executes James, a Christian, and therefore a member of a minority sect with iconoclastic theology. And all of a sudden, the Jews are up in arms? That doesn't make sense. And second, why would Josephus, a Jew who believed Vespasian was the Messiah, be referencing Jesus as the Messiah? But thirdly, if the James that died in this passage from Josephus was the brother of Christ, this then contradicts Clement of Alexandria, who wrote that James was thrown off the temple pinnacle in 70 CE as a prelude to the Roman-Jewish war that destroyed the temple, whereas Ananias's stoning of James would have taken place in 62 instead. It can't be both. James, the brother of the Lord, can't die in 62 being stoned by the Sanhedrin and then be thrown off the Temple Mount in 70 CE. So to me, the passage where Josephus allegedly wrote the brother of Jesus who is called Christ, I don't think is authentic. Let's move on to Tacitus. What did Tacitus write that is relevant to the matter? In his book Annals, Book 15, Section 44, which was written around 109 CE, he wrote, Nero looked around for a scapegoat and inflicted the most fiendish tortures on a group of persons already hated for their crimes. This was the sect known as Christians. Their founder, one Christus, had been put to death by the procurator Pontius Pilate in the reign of Tiberius. This checked the abominable superstition for a while, but it broke out again and spread, not merely through Judea, where it originated, but even to Rome itself, the great reservoir and collecting ground for every kind of depravity and filth. Those who confessed to being Christians were at once arrested, but on their testimony, a great crowd of people were convicted, not so much on the charge of arson, but of hatred of the entire human race. There are, however, some problems with this passage. One, given that this passage was written in 109, And after the Library of Rome burned, as well as after at least three of the Gospels were in circulation, I think that gives some doubt as to whether Tacitus was repeating a claim rather than writing from first-hand account. 2. This is the only document to state that Nero persecuted Christians at all. Despite both Josephus and Pliny the Elder also being in Rome around the time of Nero. Not an open and shut case against Tacitus, but not exactly working in the favour of authenticity or accuracy either. 
While not impossible, it's highly unlikely that two other historians, and one who is considered the gold standard, would have left something as juicy as this out. Third, around this time, there was very little difference between Jews and Christians. Christians were still seen as Jews, just with an updated and revised theology. So on the face of it, it doesn't make sense for Nero to persecute a minority sect of a religion with whom Rome was trying to keep peace with. See James's death as recorded in Josephus. Nor for Tacitus to write that Christianity was its own sect. Surely he would have written a Jewish sect or a Jewish superstition. Not mention Christus as the head of his own new religion. The next I'll cover is Pliny the Younger. Pliny writes the Trajan in approximately 112 CE. Christians asserted, however, that the sum and substance of their fault or error had been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn and sing responsively a hymn to Christ as if to a God and to bind themselves by oath, not to some crime, but not to commit fraud, theft or adultery, not falsify their trust, nor to refuse to return a trust when called upon to do so. No one disputes that there were Christians in the 2nd century, but this does nothing to establish the biblical claims of a resurrected demigod, just that there were people who believed in a resurrected demigod almost 80 years after the supposed event took place. Next, we have the Talmud. The problems here? The Jerusalem Talmud was written at least 200 years after the events of Christ, and the Babylonian Talmud written at least 300 years after Christ. And also, the Babylonian Talmud states that Jesus was stoned for sorcery and idolatry, not blasphemy as in the Gospels, and that a call went out for 40 days and 40 nights looking for people to stand up in Jesus' defence. So if you're going to call the Talmud as evidence for Jesus, you have to admit that it got a lot of things wrong. Next is Mara Bar Serapion. This piece of evidence claimed by apologists as evidence for Jesus is a letter from Mara Bar Serapion to his son, and it goes as such. What advantage did the Athenians gain from putting Socrates to death? Famine and plague came upon them as judgment for their crime. What advantage did the men of Samos gain from burning Pythagoras? In a moment, their land was covered with sand. What advantage did the Jews gain from executing their wise king? It was just after that that their kingdom was abolished. 
God justly avenged these three wise men. The Athenians died of hunger. The Samians were overwhelmed by the sea. The Jews, ruined and driven from their land, live in complete dispersion. But Socrates did not die for good. He lived on in the teaching of Plato. Pythagoras did not die for good. He lived on in the statue of Hera. Nor did the wise king die for good. He lived on in the teaching which he had given. There are some issues with this passage that work against this letter as open and shut evidence for Jesus. First, the Jews didn't execute their king. It was the Romans. Yes, the Jews had him executed, but anyone with any knowledge of the situation would know that Jesus had died a Roman death, crucifixion, not a Jewish death, stoning. Second, it says, it was just after that that their kingdom was abolished. If Jesus was executed in 33 AD, then this leaves a 37-year time period between when Jesus died and when the Romans sacked Jerusalem. So you can't say that it was just after. A plain reading of this should indicate a very imminent time period, not a 37-year gap. And third, the line, nor did the wise king die for good, he lived on in the teaching he had given. This makes no mention of the resurrection, the event that literally shook the world and which is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. So to me, Mara Basarapion isn't good evidence for the gospel Jesus. And lastly, I'll go through Celsus. There is nothing special in Celsus that supports the existence of Jesus. Yes, Celsus was a critic of Christianity, but writing in the late 2nd century, so hardly close to the facts to be considered an authoritative source. Firstly, we don't have anything directly from Celsus himself on the topic. We only know of Celsus's writings on Jesus through Origin of Alexandria's Contra Celsum, directly written as a response to Celsus. So we are getting Celsus third hand, Celsus to Origin, then Origin via translation. And second, Celsus writes of a story Jesus was the son of Mary's adulterous affair with Pantera, a Roman soldier. This is hardly the defense of the New Testament demigod, Jesus, that Christians are looking for. In the next section, I'll go through what I call the rest fall apart. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.